marketers need to continuously adjust their strategies to keep pace with new consumer expectations. This is the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. I'm Jordan Rogers-Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to our show. Today, we're sharing a conversation from AW Forward with Ralph Pardo, CEO of Hearts and Science, Janet Lee, Vice President and CMO of Mobile Experience at Samsung, and Jonathan Kratz, Director and Head of Industry of Technology, Mobile, and Connectivity at Meta. Together, they discuss the ever-evolving marketing landscape and why a focus on customer centricity and relationships continues to be at the core of every strategy. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of AW Forward. I'm Jonathan Kratz, the Head of Industry for Technology, Mobile, and Connectivity at Meta. I'm excited to speak with two marketing leaders about the opportunity that lies ahead in fostering authentic relationships, both with your consumers and your business partners, as we navigate this incredible change in the marketing industry. First, I'll speak with Ralph Pardo, CEO of Hearts and Science US, who is a strong proponent of the pivot. He believes that marketers need to continuously adjust their strategies to keep pace with new consumer expectations. Ralph and I will discuss how it takes a village and how unlocking the right partnerships will be critical when building the platforms of the future, like the metaverse. Next, I'll connect with Janet Lee, VP, CMO of Mobile Experience Samsung Electronics America, to uncover how we can most effectively speak to consumers about technological innovation and what lessons that can teach us as we collectively step towards the metaverse. Janet and I will talk through the importance of meeting customers where they are, providing examples of how Samsung Mobile is leading with connecting with audiences through technological change, as well as where she believes the early opportunity lies in the metaverse. Let's get started with Ralph. With such an ambitious vision for the future, each of us has a lot of work to do. Thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. It's relationships between people and organizations that drive the work forward. And unlocking the right partnerships will be essential to building the platforms of the future. From relationship building across virtual spaces to working hand in hand on big, shared, ambitious goals, I'm excited to have a conversation today about what we as leaders can do to bring our shared vision to life. And to help us better understand that, I'm thrilled to be joined by Ralph Pardo, the CEO of Hearts and Science US. Ralph brings a wealth of experience building innovative, award-winning business strategies for some of the world's most beloved brands, making him really the perfect person for discussion about the future of partnerships. Welcome, Ralph, and thank you for doing this. Hey, Jonathan, good to see you, and happy to happy to join you today. All right, let's let's dive in, and let's start with really the principles of innovative out of the box partnerships. And you know, the name of your agency really evokes this idea of two seemingly opposing sides collaborating and doing something magical. And some of your biggest wins have really been grounded in bringing together creative and analytics to do something really really special for your clients. So tell us about some of the challenges you face when you brought partners together, either internally or externally. And can you share an example of how you were really able to break new ground when you, when you really got this right? Yeah, it's actually a great place to start because we love the name of our agency, right? Hearts and Science. You know, look, for us, it, it's really about the need to think divergently, right? And as, as we start to kind of think about kind of the importance of the alchemy between creative and media, Right, the importance of reinforcing that brand attachment and that emotional connection, while also thinking about kind of the analytics that 
fuel inside and allow us to scale. Bringing those two things together has always been uh, a little bit of our secret sauce and something that we think is incredibly important to kind of help clients navigate this kind of disrupted media world. When we start to, you know, just going back to kind of the core of your question, one of the things that I that I think about is is innovation and the principles of innovation, right? I can't disconnect that from thinking about the creation of meaningful connection, right? And the importance of that in order to kind of change the experience that consumers are actually having with brands. To me, it gives us purpose and focus. And that lens is important because it's really, it really starts to allow us to pull the fringe a bit closer, right? And, and it gives us license to be, frankly, experimenting a little bit more with the, with kind of the, the, the platforms and the spaces that are evolving the future of how we're going to interact with uh, consumers and brands, right? And one of the, one of the things that, that I've really been vocal about is this notion that for at least the past couple of years, we've really been living in this age of incrementality. And this, this gives us an opportunity. We're at an inflection point. I think COVID's accelerated some of these things. There now is a shift, right? And for us, we really need to be thinking about a shift towards more mindset and culture and embracing that divergent thinking so we can start to program for platforms and people. So I think mindset and headspace is just so important for us to be successful from a partnership perspective. Mm -hmm. It's a great point. I, I love the way you frame this notion of the age of incrementality because nothing we're talking about today is incremental change. It is profound change. It is revolutionary change and recognizing the headspace we might be in and needing to shift that a bit to see the opportunity ahead of us and to find the partners that are going to help us get there, I think is such a great way to frame that. And I, I think that tees up our, our next question really well, which is around the notion of, you know, this change that we're trying to drive, whether it's the metaverse, whether that's anything else that we've talked about today, no one company is going to do it alone, nor should they try. This is going to span multiple industries and multiple companies. So when you think about this for hearts, how do you think about balancing building capabilities internally to meet these exciting opportunities versus identifying partners who can help you get there without having to build it yourself? So for us, I guess we started what, what the big drivers are, right? And the two drivers for me are technology acceleration and behavior change, right? And when we think about those two things, where we get to is that a realization that we have been primed as a society, we're ready. You know, we're ready to kind of go all in, go all in on the metaverse, go all in on these new digital currencies and start to kind of really kind of change the interactions that are taking place. And so where that where that kind of takes us is that we're really focused on kind of three key areas, our ability to develop and experiment ourselves. Right. I think it's important as a business that provides strategic counsel. We have to have firsthand knowledge. And right now that has to happen through, you know, us being active practitioners in the space, right? We've been dabbling in NFTs on our own and creating a few and, and kind of seeing where those go. I think we've been- It's a fun it, one, it's a fun one. Yep. It is, it is. And I feel like I, I turn around everywhere today and someone's, you know, selling an NFT or buying an NFT. Yep. And they jump from $100 one day to 100,000 the next, which is crazy. Right. And back to $100. Um, right. You want to be on the right side of that, though. the right side of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Timing is everything, right? 
But look, when we think about there's developing that capability ourselves and experimenting, there's partnership with platforms, you know, and, and frankly, the digital landlords of the space, because we are talking about new real estate. And so those partnerships are immensely valuable to us because they allow us to learn at the conceptual stage, right? And start to identify where there can be opportunities for our clients. And then the last piece is really providing strategic counsel and helping clients develop those bespoke filters on when to say yes and when to say no, or not right now. And that's frankly where I think the bulk of our time is being spent around capability development. And and it's just, look, as you can imagine, it's a different decision whether you're a luxury business or an entertainment business, you know, than let's say uh, an insurance brand, right? And the reality is we believe strongly that the emphasis should be on utility, right? That is the, whenever you're in a fringe space, there, there's, there's an element of, of perhaps showing up, right, and be, and being idiosyncratic and you know adding value to an experience. But then there's also an element of it is a brave new world, you know. And if you're there, it should be meaningful. There should be some form of utility and value exchange you're providing. So that's where we've been focused on right now in terms of phase one, you know, brands and businesses that can provide utility in these spaces. I love that framing because I think that that works for everyone. And as with mobile, these future platforms are going to eventually touch every, every industry and every company, but there are some obvious first steps. So whether that's entertainment, whether that's gaming, but to your point, it will eventually touch every industry. So how do you experiment with your utility and your unique value proposition? Because that's going to be core to whatever you do while also looking to partners to fill in the gaps for you. I think the way you frame that is, is a really helpful way to take this ambiguous topic and put some structure around it. Look, another way to think about it too, is if we've maybe established kind of right to play, right or not, utility is being the next layer. I think the other two that are important are our audience relevancy. Where are you looking to grow? Where are you looking to deepen connection? Where are you looking to defend? You know, and a hypothetical example, if you're a brand or a business now that has tremendous amount of equity with Gen Z, but you're not necessarily doing anything in, in, in kind of the meta, metaverse space, right? Let's use that as the kind of overarching word for a lot of these congruent things. You run the risk of being disrupted in short order by a brand or a business that is um, actually starting to build equity and an identity in that environment. So I think there is a, it, it, this is not one of those things where I think folks can just sit on the sidelines. I think you either have to be actively participating, if it makes sense, actively learning and actively paying attention. And all of those are, are I would say, different kind of states of being and operating, but you can't just wait for it to get to a critical mass and then say, okay, I'm ready to hop in. Right. I just think the, the, the dynamics are gonna be different around this one. Right. Your notion of learning being the first step and really the first objective here when we're talking about something that is really conceptual and far out at this point, I think is absolutely the right way to think about it. And I think it tees up our next question really well, which is, you know, when you're on the taking the first step on a very long journey, as we all are regarding a lot of the topics that we talked about today, you really need a common framework or language to facilitate taking that first step across, you know, a large team internally or between you and a partner. And you, you mentioned utility and 
and continuing to make that meaningful connection with your audience as being two, two sorts of frameworks that you use. Are there any others that you are using to really put some structure around this opportunity for your teams? I think one of one of the other things that we do do is a, a bit of, we do this for lots of different aspects of our business, but a little bit of a kind of maturity model exercise, right? And that I think that exercise is important, you know, for brands and businesses that frankly need a little more discipline around experimentation, right? And learning. And And one of the interesting things I'll pull out from that exercise is we will engage in a in a in a discussion around are we are we are we learning or are we trying to establish ROI and those are two really distinctive things and depending on kind of what the prioritization is you know that helps define you know whether it's a player pass right now kind of in this space but I do have a bias towards the learning side of the house and I think that one of our our challenges in the industry is we can sometimes become paralyzed by metrics right? Especially in new environments where we try to ascribe old metrics to new places. And maybe a better way to think about it is what's the value of kind of learning in phase one? How do we kind of scale what worked, right? Learn from what didn't, move on to phase two, phase three, and really think about it as a, you know, over the course of a series of learning experiments. And perhaps what you get to in totality at the end versus any individual one. And it requires discipline and a different way to communicate and a different way, frankly, to, you know, gain buy-in within an organization. And so those are the things that we are kind of counseling on right now and preparing for in the future. I think that's the perfect place for us to wrap. And I, I really appreciate the structure you've added to what has been a really exciting and ambitious set of discussions for the day. And it really grounded us in Staying focused on the, the things that you know you and your brand do well, but also looking for partners who can help you fill in the gaps as we you know, collectively start to take these steps on this really long journey that we're on together. So thank you, Ralph, for sharing your perspective. Incredibly valuable and really grateful for building the partnerships of the future with you and with Hearts. Likewise, Jonathan. Good to see you. And thanks for inviting me here and spending some time today. All right, Janet, thank you for joining me on this episode of AW Forward. Let's start with you. Tell us a bit about yourself, your experience, and your current role at SAMHSA. So I head up marketing for the mobile division, so now called Mobile Experience at Samsung Electronics America. I joined Samsung about four years ago. So with joining Samsung, I got into tech. Prior to tech, most of my marketing experience was in CPG space with uh, a lot of focus in beauty. So prior to Samsung, I used to market skincare and fragrance. Fantastic. And that is a great tee up. You've clearly had a career in marketing that has been rooted in innovation, critical to CPG, beauty, and of course, mobile where you're leading now. And Samsung is consistently at the forefront of technological innovation, consistently years ahead of its competitors in, in many cases. Can you talk about the greatest challenge in bringing to market cutting edge technology like you do? while also communicating value to customers today and how you've navigated this? Mm -hmm. Samsung's DNA is really deeply rooted in technology, R&D, and marketing is something that we're really focusing on in recent years. The challenge is that when you are working with technological advancement, you want to talk so much about your technology, mm -hmm. your innovation, 
that you make it very difficult for the consumer to understand, right? So taking all that technology innovation and translating that into consumer language with focus on what's in it for the consumer, how our technology innovation is, you know, improving the consumer's life, benefiting the consumers, right? So that is the challenge of the marketers in tech space and especially at a company like Samsung where it's all about innovation, innovation. So that's where our focus has been. So with every launch, there's always something new. We're always pushing the technological boundary. So how do I make it compelling and relevant to the consumer so that the consumers go, oh, wow, I care about that. To be honest, we're at a stage where we're more focused on the use cases, meaning how does the consumer use that technology? So if I translate that into marketing language, we're still very much focused on the functional benefits. What we're striving to do is, yes, have very clear use cases, meaning communicate very clear feature and functional benefits. But as a marketer, what we strive for is that emotional benefit. If I can get to that place, that's where our focus is. And I think one of the audiences you're most eagerly looking to connect with and and land that emotional benefit with is Gen Z, which I know every company that has an eye toward the future is, is thinking about how they're reaching that audience and speaking to them really authentically. Based on your experience, what have you seen are the key values and expectations of the Gen Z audience when it comes to marketing and, and where, where have you found success? So the Gen Zers, as consumers, I find them to be very unique and fascinating, to be honest. They're tech savvy, they're media savvy, and they're product savvy because I think they grew up searching and looking for value, right? So when talking to Gen Z, you need to be very clear in communicating the value that you bring as a brand bring to the Gen Z audience, right? Am I driving convenience for you? Am I giving you entertainment? Am I giving you insightful information? Or am I, you know, making your life better? Am I making you feel better about your life? So when when you reach out to Gen Zs and you want to engage with them, they immediately want to know what is the value you're bringing to me, mm. right? And it, again, it can take many different um, forms. So I think we need to be very clear in the value prop that we're offering to them. One of the interesting things about the Gen Zs as consumers is that they can be very cynical about the traditional ad because it's one-way talking. They don't care for one-way talking, right? So in communicating to Gen Zs about our products, we've tried many different things that are quite non-traditional. So I can give you an example. So when we launched our Galaxy Z Flip 3, one of our foldable phones, we wanted to drive awareness and because of the unique form factor, you know, we're at the cutting edge with the foldable phones, right? We want to make it mainstream. We think that the foldable phones offer a very unique mobile experience and we want everybody to know it, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of said, we want to make it, you know, mainstream. So in order to do that, we knew that we had to accelerate awareness and consideration with the Gen Z audience and in driving that, Yes, we had the traditional media with the traditional creative assets, but we also tried something new. So what we did was we worked with Todrick Hall, who's an artist, musician, yep. dancer, you know, content creator himself. We took his very famous song, and I can never say this right. I think it's hair and nails, hips, heels. Yeah, I'm and, very and familiar. It's a great one. <laughs> Sorry, Todrick. It's a, it's a great so one. We took that song, and he was very excited to work with us. He rewrote the lyrics to basically saying, you know, fold, flip, fold, flip, fold. Like it's, it's, mm. it's 
it was very catchy and it got a lot of engagement mm -hmm. and it just made people laugh. And in that, in creating that video with Todrick, we kind of let go of the traditional mm -hmm. checklist of, okay, do we have the front view of the phone, right. the back view of the phone, the flex mode? And we kind of let go of all that mm -hmm. because we knew, okay, with this audience, we're going to prioritize awareness. We want them to know the product name. We want them to like the brand. We want them to enjoy the content and want to engage with us. So that was the focus. So that's something very different we've, we've done. And then another thing we did differently, we wanted to drive awareness prior to the launch. Right. Um, so what we did was we kind of wanted to understand what it was like to own our foldable phones. So we took to social media and we collected different comments the actual users left. And we found really interesting. And I get excited when, when I find right. yes. unique insight. What we found was that, and only foldable phone owners will know this, that they get so much attention from mm -hmm. strangers. So when, and even our executive said, oh yes, when I go through a security check at the airport, the TSA agent will say, oh my God, can I see your phone? Did you just fold <laughs> your phone in half? Yeah. But this is a known fact among users of foldable phones, right? So we found comments in different social media platforms one that said this is the worst phone i've ever owned <laughs> i get you know i always get random glanced by the by strangers and people tap me on my shoulder asking me about my, my phone and there's like really funny comments somebody said i need to look myself in the mirror and ask am i ready for this life <laughs> right <laughs> so we took that and we created a whole campaign around it so we started our campaign with, this is the worst one ever. And we had out of home placements of all these codes. We had digital ads. So we had a blast with that campaign and we had phenomenal engagement rate. And our global partners picked that campaign as global Samsung best practice for social campaign. What a fantastic, I think a fantastic framework for everyone to take away in terms of just grounding your work in, in the audience you're trying to speak to and connect with and throwing out the old playbook if it doesn't really apply to your point about how you're going to shoot the product and what the focus of, of what you're trying to accomplish. And with Todrick in this example, I think that's a great example here. And it makes me think of another place where we're seeing a lot of evolution in terms of consumer expectations, which is commerce. I know that's a place where Meta and Samsung have collaborated a lot and Samsung had great success using native commerce tools to drive pre-sales for the new flip and fold devices this past summer, really meeting customers where they are in terms of their intent and eagerness to engage with an exciting new product like, like the foldables. So how are you thinking about these new shopping behaviors and these new commerce tools to support the customer journey? So Outside of our category, I've seen a lot of success in social commerce. You know, I browse like Instagram all the time and mm -hmm. I, I make impulse purchases all the time, you and <laughs> especially, me both. especially in the beauty category. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first as a consumer, I, I purchased and then I kind of self-reflect, oh, how did I get so enticed by that piece of content that what made me go uh, purchase that product? Right. So I've seen, a, we've all seen a lot of success and in tech space and Meta, you guys told us that we were the first um, brand company to launch Instagram shop. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still learning. It's mm -hmm. still a new channel selling platform for us. So we're still learning, but we want to be everywhere where consumers are shopping and the sales potential um, may vary by platform, but 
we want to be there when there is a consumer with intent to purchase or intent to learn more about our products, right? So that's the first thing. We want to capture all potential demand by being everywhere consumers purchase, right? So that's the approach. And we've also launched pre-order mm-hmm. on uh, Facebook um, and Instagram. And that was a big you know, experiment for us. Right. We haven't done that outside of our, our platform and our carrier partners. Mm-hmm. So that we were very excited to learn from that. So that's our approach. You know, we want to meet the consumers where they are. And it doesn't always have to translate to immediate, you know, conversion and immediate sales, right? Right. If, even for discovery. And I know we're going to talk about metaverse, but what's fascinating about metaverse as an opportunity to a brand like Samsung is that it offers you the opportunity to drive full funnel experience, right? You can drive awareness, you can drive consideration, you can drive conversion. What you want to focus on is based on the audience you're targeting and where you are as a brand or as a product with that audience. So I can talk a little bit about what we're working on in metaverse without revealing too much. Sure. (laughs) We are um, always looking to make a connection with the Gen Z Mm -hmm. audience. So for us, the primary objective is to drive relevance, drive brand engagement and brand affinity. So we're not quite looking to drive consideration or conversion. And some brands are already doing that. You know, brands like Gucci, they're selling digital products, right? right? Uh, We're not there. We're looking to really, you know, drive awareness of of our brand and, you know, have, make our brand be top of mind with this audience and basically have them like us. That's our primary objective with the, the Metaverse project that we're pursuing right now. Yeah. So we're excited to learn and see what you know opportunities we can further pursue after we gain our learnings. So well put, and I think connecting commerce and the opportunity that the metaverse provides from the get-go is so important as you think about how you wanna to begin to learn to your point, and this is early days for everybody, but I think commerce being a thread throughout the metaverse and being one of the promises of the metaverse to your point to being a real full funnel experience where you can take your goods and possessions with you throughout this this uh, new world that we're collectively creating here. Another one that I think will be really interesting and relevant to the metaverse is creators and the rise of the creator economy. So the, the metaverse will, will not just be created by big brands. Creators will be an essential part of bringing this to life. And Meta is making a big bet on this. And you know, in 2022, we're investing a billion dollars in programs to give creators new ways to earn money for the content they're bringing onto the platforms, knowing that this will be a really important uh, stepping stone as we move toward the metaverse together. I know Samsung has leaned into this in a big way. You've got one of the biggest rosters of creators with Team Galaxy, really unbeatable. BTS, 60 million Instagram followers alone right there, which is incredible. So thinking about creators and and Samsung's marketing, how are you approaching that today? The way I look at creators is storytelling, right? So as a brand, we tell our product story, our brand story. And I, I, like I said, sometimes our product story, our brand story told by somebody other than us can be more authentic, more compelling. So we view our influencers and we call them our partners um, to be storytellers of our product, of our brand. And we, yes, you said we have a very robust roster of influencers. We, I believe we have about 34 and that's just for 
for us in the U.S. and their mm -hmm. roster and then other countries have their own roster. So yes, we have long list of uh, people, content creators that we're, we work with. And what's great about having diverse roster of influencers is that everyone has his or her unique tone of voice, right. um, style of storytelling, content creation. So we're leaning in on our influencers to drive our product story, our brand story, drive you know brand relevance, affinity, so we're, we're, we understand that this is a big, it's not even a trend. It's, it's, you know, right. it's active life now. These people are influential and we need to be able to work with them and leverage them to, to um, drive our business objectives. So you talked about commerce. Ultimately, all things we do are done with the objective of driving sales and driving market share growth. The only difference is the time frame, right? So mm -hmm. there's when we do lower funnel activities like paid search, that's for immediate conversion. I see influencers, they're somewhere, you know, upper funnel, upper to mid funnel. Mm -hmm. We want them to drive brand relevance, affinity. And then in some cases, we have very effective influencers who drive consideration. They talk about our products. So the way we categorize our influencers I don't want to reveal all of our secrets, right. but our approach is that we line them up to our business objectives, right? Okay. So we have a group called tech educators. So these people are tech reviewers, people, you know, who are tech product junkies, and they are really good at breaking down the features and the technology. And then we have image drivers. So people who have very aspirational lifestyle, you know, and they have a lot of following. So they're literally called image drivers because we want them to drive certain brand image for us. And then we have another group called camera storytellers. So with Galaxy S, the brand equity of Galaxy S is around our superior camera functionality. So we have professional photographers, videographers, whom we call camera storytellers. So they tell our camera story and they, you know, obviously put out, create and put out different contents. And with every launch, they play a very critical role in driving different business objectives. And we line up, you know, their content with the, the messaging construct we have for each launch. So they're getting more and more integrated into our campaigns. I love the framework you teed up there in terms of aligning the, the influence of the creator to the business objective. And I think that's really emblematic of Samsung's leadership in the marketing space and your leadership, Janet, in that you explore, but you also do it with rigor and with structure. So you understand what learnings you can take away while you're exploring these new frontiers like commerce innovation or creators or just marketing new techn technological innovation. So from that perspective, as we think about the metaverse, which you already started to touch on, what do you think is important for marketers to keep in mind as they start to explore the metaverse to make sure that they're, they're being really thoughtful about these early steps? So obviously, when you start thinking about metaverse and you start ideating on a project, you have certain audience in mind, right? So you have to really dig into the lifestyle, the behavior, the attitude of your target audience, and then find that unique insight on which you want to build your entire experience. So why are people, you know, in metaverse? Why are they on different metaverse platforms? What are they doing? So I think there are a few common expectations, right? One is they want to have rich experience. 
you know, they, they crave that experience, right? So how do you make it engaging, entertaining, immersive, interactive? So building that very rich experience, designing that and, and orchestrating that I think is key. And then this second part that I, I've been thinking about and it, it's, it's, it's hard, you need to have a commitment to be there all the time, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't turn off, it doesn't go away, right? Mm-hmm. So once you create something in metaverse, you need to be committed to it. You can't launch it and then go away and then stop, right? Right, right. So I, I need to make sure that we have that commitment. So as we're working on this project and it's gonna launch this year. And then if you want to continue doing it, you need to make sure that all your stakeholders and you know marketing, we have a lot of stakeholders. Right. <laughs> um, how do you align on what success looks like? Right. So, like I said, you know, you can create entire CJ in metaverse, you know, from awareness all the way to purchase. But for us, with the that particular audience that we're targeting, we're not quite there yet. So we aligned early on with our leadership and our state, key stakeholders that for this, our objective is not sales. We want to be a liked, admired brand by our target audience. So that's what we're focused on. And you know we're able to make the right decisions as we're working on this project because we have that aligned goal and KPIs, right? Right. So, and you know, I, you're, you need to have very clear objectives and KPIs to guide you throughout all the decisions you have to make on any given project. So that's where we are. So I would, my advice would be have a, have a clear uh, vision of what success looks like, know your target audience, and you know, create the most compelling value prop, you know, through experience, engagement for that target audience. And then lastly, what's great about metaverse is that you're not bound by the physical barriers, right? You can build something overnight in metaverse. If you were to build a building in real life, you know, that will take you years. So I think that gives us the, the ability to think big and you know, dream big and create something, something grand in metaverse. And I was actually thinking you can test things out in metaverse and then bring it back to real life also, you know? I like that, I like that. Concept, you know? So I think, I think it's a great opportunity and I, I would just say go big and be bold. I love that call to action. Go big, be bold, be clear about your value proposition, what you as a brand can uniquely deliver. As you said, entertain, inform, interactive. I think that's a a fantastic framework to start a a long journey like this. And to your point about being bold, especially something as as new and as quickly developing as the metaverse, you need partners to experiment with and and to explore with. So how are you thinking about enrolling partners into your work here? So it all starts with the experience that we want to create for the target audience. And if that means you know, bringing on partners to offer something that we cannot, Samsung cannot, we do it. So with this project that we're working on, we have partners, talent partners, but it's all about creating that rich, interactive, immersive experience for our target audience. And that takes a lot of effort, not just on our part, but with our partners. And we, we've been lucky because we've, we've worked with many good partners. They're always open to new ideas that Samsung brings forth and, and they want to they take part, so. A great way of thinking about it. You know, we at Meta absolutely believe 
the metaverse is going to be all about collaboration. No one company is going to build this. And to your point, each, each partner can bring a unique piece of the puzzle to create an experience that's ultimately of value to your audience. That's going to keep them coming back for an extended engagement with you. As you put, that's not, it's not a one hit wonder here. We're looking to make long lasting relationships in, in this new, in this new world. So Janet, this is a fantastic conversation. So many nuggets in here for marketers as they think about the many important trends and transformations happening in our industry right now. But if you had any final piece of advice or words of wisdom you'd want to leave with our listeners, what would that be? So I've been thinking a lot about this as of late because I've noticed that marketers are quick to work on action plans, that they don't drive sufficient rigor in the upfront or the upstream uh, part of the, the workflow. And for me, that the most important thing, the, the, the critical starting point is finding that compelling insight of your target audience. So I, I've been, I know my, my team, probably driving my team crazy, just talking about insight, insight, insight. So I was joking about how I noticed that many creative agencies start with what they call human truth. And I had to tell one of my agencies, seriously, I get a little bit turned off when you say human truth, <laughs> because I don't care for the general human truth. I care for that specific, you know, target audience insight. So bring me my target consumer's insight. <clears throat> I can give you 10 human truths as well, right? So I think sometimes we think too broadly and, and, and you know, confuse ourselves into thinking that that's an insight. Again, a trend is not an insight, right? So I really encourage marketers to dig deep, to get to that insight that's not readily visible and noticeable, right? If it's so readily noticeable that it wouldn't be called an insight. So that compelling insight, if you have that as the foundation for your story, your value prop, everything will fall in place. So trust that an insight is going to guide you. And that's, that's, you know, the foundation you need. Otherwise, I tell my, my, my team that you're going to be building a mansion with no foundation. So start with an insight. <laughs> that would be my advice to my fellow marketers. Perfect words to end on. Start with the insight and everything will fall into place. So thank you, Janet, for the conversation today. This was tremendous. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode on marketing strategy. I'd like to thank today's speakers, Ralph, Janet, and Jonathan as well as a special thank you to AW Forward for letting us share this insightful conversation. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this one, there'll be links to Advertising Week and any resources mentioned in today's show notes. Thank you for listening to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review.